Welcome to Tactile Office Hours, a podcast about being a paid creative from the point of view of women of color. I'm your host, Deepa Shamba, full-time graphic designer, crafter, and founder of Tactile. I've always believed that there should be more people of color getting paid for their passion, and I want to make them feel less alone on their journey to getting that money. So each month, I'll pass on what I know, and I'll also clue you in on things I learn. Let's begin, shall we? So today is going to be the day we talk about money. And money is something that comes up constantly, I feel like, especially in relation to being a creative professional, because everyone wants to know, okay, I have this art, how am I making sure I'm getting enough money back from it, right? Um, How do I make sure that I'm not underselling myself? How do I make sure that I'm properly assigning uh, the correct pricing for my pieces? Or how do I advocate for myself once I'm in a job? Etc. Etc. So we're gonna we're gonna touch on all of that today, and I'm excited about it because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. And yeah, that goes back to this podcast. I feel like more people of color should be paid for the things they love to do, and they should be paid fairly as well. But it's also a lot of questions about like what does that mean. So to start off, I'm gonna talk about my own history with it. We're gonna start off with this disclaimer that I've rarely if ever, advocated for myself with a number that I came up on my own. I don't know if that makes any sense. So it's not like I said, you know what? I've never been the type to be like, okay, I have all these these expenses. I'm going to have to charge this amount in order to do that. That's one way to do it. I've just never done it. I've also never been the type to be like, oh, so-and-so is like making that money, much money. I'm going to also ask for the same amount. That's just not been my thing not saying it's wrong or anything at all I feel like that's the way to do it but it just didn't feel comfortable to me and so what I've done and how I've navigated is I've let other people dictate my value I've let other agencies or jobs say okay this is the value we put on this job and then I'd be like okay great I'll take it or you know what I don't think it's great I won't take it So starting off early in my career, when I was still freelancing, I accepted a position that I really enjoyed and I would work all these hours, sometimes more than 40 hours a week, and I wouldn't charge the overtime, which if you're freelancing and you don't already know this, charge for the overtime, okay? Have it in your contracts. If you're done through an agency and you're required to work more than 40 hours a week, charge the company, okay? You can't work and not be paid because that's illegal. I justified it to myself because I was like, oh, you know, it's my decision to stay late because my boss never explicitly said, you know, can you stay late to do X, Y, and Z? Because when they did, then I would charge overtime. But I was like, you know what? I'm not getting all this work done in this allotted time. I need to stay longer and do it. Again, ill-advised, don't do it. But you know, lessons learned. I ended up being told from that same job that they were no longer going to extend my contract because they wanted to use my the money they were paying me to hire somebody more senior level and to hire an assistant. And even then, I knew that was such bullshit because like, how are you going to find a senior professional that wouldn't charge overtime that would still really work as hard as I did? And then also, I didn't know enough, but I knew enough to know that I, I wasn't getting paid enough to like hire somebody more senior and an assistant with the same salary. Many, many, many years later, I got a better sense about how agencies 
and companies work. Basically, if a company like a big corporation hires an agency to hire the freelancer, when that freelancer, A, they get a cut from the salary. So for example, I'm making numbers up. If if the budget is like $100 a day to pay the freelancer, I think the agency would get like a X amount of percentage, like 10% or something from that. And if you were to convert into to full-time, then the agency could potentially get a finder's fee of like a significant portion from the salary that's being offered to the person. So like if a person's being offered $100,000 and the agency is like, our finder's fee is like 20%, that means that company is now going to have to find an additional, what, like 20 grand from their own budget on top of the 100000 that they are going to give to that new new employee. All of this to say is that there's a lot more money being exchanged than I realized at that point in my career. But at that point in my career, not knowing all of this, I thought it was other nonsense. But regardless, don't say that to an employee, you know, just say like, listen, hey, listen, we're not going to continue a contract for make up some other reason. You don't always have to be honest. But again, sorry, different episode, different tangent. So going back after that, I eventually ended up working full-time somewhere. And when I was offered a full-time salary, the person in the room who previously held a position within like the last year or two said like, oh yeah, no, that was what I was offered to. So by that person saying it in the room, I was like, okay, I'm being paid, you know, fairly. And I I kept that figure and I was fine with the figure because I, again, didn't know better for however long I was at that job. Then when I went back to to freelancing, freelancing was definitely, definitely the game changer because freelancing, again, I wasn't dictating my worth. All these recruiters would ask, you know, how much are you looking for? And this and that and being told all these like little bits of advice right through the the recruiters. I, I don't know what I said before, but I mean recruiters. Recruiters would be like, oh, you know, how much are you looking for? And this and that. And I never knew how to answer. And then I finally figured out how to answer. And I would share a number. And each time I got a new position, I would ask for X amount. Like I would ask for at least a dollar more than I was currently making. Because again, I didn't know better. I just figured out a system that worked for me. So for example, if I was making $45 per hour at job A, when I was looking for job B, I would ask for at least $46 more or $46 an hour. So at least a dollar more per hour. Is that the right method? Probably not. Is that what I did to do like just to get a job? Yes. And so at a certain juncture, I was offered what they would call attempt to, to perm position where you sign on as a freelancer with a particular rate and are told that within X amount of time, if hired full time, you will get a specific salary. So I looked at that position and I was really excited about it because it was a company I was really excited about, the position had the title I wanted, had the salary that I wasn't expecting, but it was really exciting to me and seemed fair. And it also had all these skills that I really always wanted. And I could now like acquire them in this new role if I would be hired. The catch was that they were offering a few dollars less than my existing freelancing rate. I think it was like maybe $5 less or something. 
And I can't remember the exact figure, but it it was enough for me to be like, "Mm, I don't, I don't know about this. But in the moment I was like, you know what? It's okay. I am still freelancing. I'm still trying to find my like permanent home. This temp to perm thing is only going to last maybe a few weeks because on the contract it said after X amount of time, then you'll basically have to be converted somewhere. And I was like, okay, you know, I could just spend this X amount of time doing this role. At least I'll gain the skills. At least I'll get this name. At least I'll get the company name, whatever. And I'll still be earning. It's not surely not as much as I would want, should, should be earning, but I'll still be earning and getting all these other great things in the meantime. And if it doesn't work out, at least I'll find out sooner rather than later. Cut to many months later. And that company kept on telling me they can't hire me. They can't convert me to full time because they don't have the money for it. But yet they were hiring other people for the role that I thought I was going to be converted into and they hired multiple it was not just one person they hired like two or three plus an additional person so they're finding money for those roles but not for me and it just it didn't make sense and I would keep on going back to my freelancer agency because of like you know reasons I guess you can't necessarily discuss your rate directly with your your manager you have to go through the agency cuts to a lesson I learned much later about how much money is actually being tossed around because of additional agency charges that I'm not aware of as the employee. So I was never offered that more full-time role and it took a very long time for me to recognize that, oh, hey, listen, they're not going to give me this job that I want. I got, at the very least, I have to get my rate back up to where it was. And the agency didn't help out. I went to my manager director and be like, listen, I really like working here. Obviously, it's not going to be a good fit. Can I at very least get my freelancer rate back to where it was? She handled it within like one business day. But at that job, another pivotal thing was that while they were not offering that role that I signed up for, they did offer a more junior role for 15K less per year. And that figure was something that kind of like haunted me for a little bit because A, I turned down that more junior role almost immediately because it didn't make sense for me to sign on at a company that wasn't recognizing my value for more junior role because I really wanted to grow. And if I was to grow, I would be essentially fighting for the same position I was currently at, except maybe like two years later. And that made no sense to me. I was not trying to go backwards. I was trying to go forwards. So I turned down that role and I ended up starting to apply for other full-time positions. And when I would start to apply for other full-time positions, I kept on getting offered that role, the the same figure that this company was offering me, which was like 15K less than where I thought I should be at. And so at that point, I started to ask for advice because I started to doubt myself. I started to say, am I asking for too much? Am I really worth this number? Like, I don't know. Nobody talks about anything. Nobody talks about salary. Nobody talks about figures. I don't, how, I, I'm i a person who needs soundboarding. I'm a person that needs to do research. Like, I, I can't find, even in articles about money, they don't talk about money. And I know how hypocritical that sounds because I'm not giving figures. I'll get back to that. But it still, it wasn't helpful. I asked around and one bit of advice, well, I asked around and I asked my closest circle, anybody who was in the profession, 
And they were very, A, cagey about what they were earning, which didn't make sense to me because I understand if we're in the similar level, but they were more senior. We're not competition. Why can't you just give me a number of what you're making? And I could figure out like, you know, where I should be. One person did do that. And I was very appreciative to them. And that helped because like, again, she recognized in the moment, like, you're not my competition. <laughs> you're not coming from my job. Like, what the heck is like, I can share how much I'm making. What does it matter to me? And forever appreciative of that because that gave me a better sense of at that time, okay, this is the kind of money I could be making at at her point. And then once I got more roles later on, I'd be like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, no, I should be here because at that point, that person was doing this for a similar amount. Okay, so like it helps. Say, I know it's a little hypocritical because I think I, in this context, I was like, you know, people should talk more about how much they're making. I am comfortable in conversations that are not recorded to talk about how much I make. I tell my friends, oh yeah, this is what happened today. This is how much I'm making now. This is what I got offered. I'm comfortable with talking with people a little bit more junior than myself, more senior than myself. Nobody at my level was ever asked. I think if I were to be asked, I'm okay with sharing it. Putting how much I'm making on blast on a podcast is not my cup of tea. But I think for the context of this conversation, it'll help to put some numbers out. So I'm going to make up some really crazy numbers that are not reflective of how, how much I was getting paid, but will help kind of gauge the, the rest of this conversation or help kind of, you know, help you follow along the rest of this conversation. Okay, so let's say... I was hired, the attempt to perm role, right? If turned as a full-time salaried person, I would be offered 30 grand per year. They felt I was okay to be hired for that 30 grand eventually, like when I signed that attempt to perm contract. But months after keeping me and renewing my contract, they didn't feel I was worthy of being hired as a full-time 30K a year, but they were very much comfortable offering me a more junior role at 15,000 a year. With me so far? So when I was asking friends about what to do, they said to settle because that 15,000 that was on the table was 15,000 more, like 14 to 15,000 more than what I was making at my previous full-time job. And so they were comparing that 15K that was actually on the table to previous, my previous salary and not the 30K that I thought was worth it and that not again I didn't come up with that 30k that company that hired me for that temp to perm role said no no we like you for this 30k so it didn't feel comfortable at that moment and it felt even worse when I was being told by people I trust like no no do it settle you're asking for too much you're asking for too much but it just it never felt right and so I ended up asking a trusted friend, and she gave me some really great advice. She gave me one of the, I think the best advice for the time. She said, if this is something I wanted, right? Like I was, there was an actual offer on the table of, almost an offer on the table of uh, 15,000. She said, if this is something I wanted, set a goal, set a deadline, do the research and make decisions accordingly, right? So like if my goal was to be a creative director one day, just like talk to creative directors in the industry, like ask them how long it took to get them a six figure salary. If it took them 10 years and I'm five years into my career, how does the position I'm being offered get me closer to that goal, right? Can I afford to work for a reduced salary for X years if the skills learned 
uh, will mean better paying position in X time. If I take a pay cut, can I get compensated in other ways, right? Because it's not just all about salary. There's other ways one can earn from a job. You can get equity. Maybe you could get more PTO. Maybe there's some work from home options. This is pre-COVID, by the way. And it was like all this really practical advice that gave me the power to choose my path and not accept stepping backwards so readily. This is important to call out again because like at this point in my career, I was had the more I had more confidence in myself, I had more confidence in my skills, which is why I was so resistant to settling. And I appreciated that advice so much too because it took the emotion out of it. It was very like it took the emotion, it took the personal opinion out of it. She was not saying, you know, oh, you know, take that money, it's good money, whatever. She was like, she saw that, okay, you're not happy with it. So let's figure out how to like get you in a situation. And these are some like steps to get you to that, you know, practical situation. She was not assessing like that value, whether it's too much or too little. She was like, that's not the point. The point is you're not comfortable with it. So let's figure out how to give you, uh, how to give you the tools to figure out what a situation you are comfortable with. And for that advice, I was very, I'm forever grateful. So I ended up turning down any role that offered 15K. And eventually I got into a position where I was asked again that number, like, what are, what's your dream amount? I'm like, you know, uh, 30K with a question mark. Because again, I was just so used to being turned down for that 30K. And then the recruiter, bless her, she was like, no, no, no. Like, okay, what's your, like, your, your dream number? And I'm like, 35K, I guess. I don't know. And she's like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to pitch you at 38K. And I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> And I ended up getting that job. Like it was a different job, a different company, but it was just nice to be seen. And then from then on, I found myself in a place where I was really valued. I didn't have to fight as hard. I could just do my job just the way I've been doing it elsewhere and being recognized for it. And that was such a good feeling. And I don't think that would have happened if I settled. That's been my history with, I guess, just specific to salary. And then one other bit of advice, I guess, in terms of like advocating for yourself, other than, you know, dismissing the offers of like 15K, one other place I learned to advocate with myself is at some job where I wanted a little bit more money, but it was more like I wanted more responsibility and I was a bit of a title chaser. I wanted that senior title, right? And I knew that with a senior title, may come with compensation, but at least it came with that title. So that way, when, you know, I was looking around for other jobs, I would be taken more seriously or so I thought. And so what I did was, and this is advice I've, I'm going to bestow to you and I've given to others is that when you are in a position and you feel that you're being undervalued at your job and you want more, right? Put it down on paper. And put it in an email. What I did was I wrote down like three to four pages. It sounds like long and extensive. And it kind of was, but it was also bullet pointed. It was, I deserve a promotion. I deserve it for these reasons. This is what I've contributed to the company since I started. This is what I've contributed to the company in the last six months. This is what I plan on doing in the role if promoted. And then like the last two pages were like, this is what I currently do in specific detail every day, right? 
So I put it in essentially black and white about what value I provide to the company and why I deserve a position. And I also put it in writing that like I want this position in X amount of time. And when you do something like that, I feel like when you negotiate, or I heard somewhere like when you negotiate, you have to be prepared to walk away. And I don't think I knew it then, but a few months later when I was not met with the response I wanted, I ended up leaving. And now, now it was not specifically tied to not getting a promotion. It was more, it was a bunch of other things as well, but I recognized that I, I just, I grew the place and I just, I just needed more and I was not going to get it there. And as opposed to waiting, just leave. But that's, I was always tell people, like, if you feel like you deserve more, put it in black and white that you deserve more. Like, I remember somebody asking me like, oh, you know, I'm in this job and I feel like I deserve more. And I'm like, okay, great. So like, what have you done to warrant that? Because you can't just walk into your manager's office and be like, you know what? I deserve more money. And your manager's going to ask like, okay, sure. Like, but why? They may not say it like that. They may not even ask really. But if they do give you the courtesy of asking, they, (laughs) you have to, you got to come prepared with facts. Like corporations are not just going to sadly give you money just for existing. That's the ugly truth of working in a business, but if they don't see your value in plain form, they're never going to see your value. So just, you know, move, move on. Okay. Because of a career survey, we asked a couple of things. So one question is like, how did you start charging for your creative services? As I mentioned, and I've gone through my history, I never freelanced in a way that didn't require an agency. So I always let somebody else dictate my rate. And then when I would look for an jobs beyond that I would I would always advocate for a dollar more than that existing rate because I've never was really comfortable with that. I'm still kind of weird about it, but I think what really helps is looking and asking. So like if other people don't tell you how much you're making, there are more rate sheets now and I'm going to recommend the freelancing females rate sheet is one of my favorites because it gives you an idea of how much other people are charging. And I think if in New York State now or in the tri-state area, I think it's legally obligated for job posters to put the going rate for jobs, like position they post. They have to put the salary range in the job post itself. So do the research. The freelancing females rates indicate that, oh, this person, it's all anonymous, by the way. They say, okay, I'm in this particular field, let's say art direction, I've done it for like eight years and I charge this amount as my freelancing rate. You can use that to like figure out how much to charge for your stuff as well. In terms of more tactile things like scarves and hats, that's something I have a little bit more familiarity in terms of charging. There's this formula online that I forgot, but I'll put it somewhere. I'll make a note to put it somewhere, but where it indicates that like, okay, I think you have to charge like three times as much of the cost it took to make the item. So like if the scarf took $10 worth of material, then you charge like $30. I think also in that formula, it's also including a figure that helps you get paid as well. Like don't forget to pay yourself, which is my biggest hiccup. Because I just feel like if I'm going to charge myself, 
A, I didn't know how much to charge myself because I don't know those figures yet, which goes back to like looking at rate sheets and finding that research. But I also feel like it takes me longer to make a scarf than it may take another person. So the formula I use is basically anytime I make a new set of product, because there's so many years in between, I say, okay, if it took zero to five hours to make, I'm going to add an additional X amount to whatever the cost is. If it took an additional six to 10 hours, I'm going to add this additional dollar amount. And that additional dollar amount is what I would pay myself. And that's the system that works for me because tactile is not my main source of income. But for artisans where that do have a main source of income, at the don't forget to A, at least charge enough to cover how much it took you to buy the materials, charge enough that you could like make a second one as well, and then also pay yourself. And so what else other questions were there? How to manage expenses, taxes, and all of that grown-up stuff. I'm still asking questions about that, mostly because there's this meme that goes around that it's like I'm desperately... I'm paranoid that I'm going to, you know, fill out my tax forms wrong and get go to jail for like tax fraud or something. I file my own taxes. I have been doing it for so many years. You would think I'd be comfortable with it right now, but I'm not. I still do it though. Countless IO is a firm I've used before to help. It's a wonderful team run by a woman named Brittany. She is specific to helping small businesses. I don't know if it's necessarily just woman-centric, but like small businesses with their expenses. Like they offer different types of service packages. Like it could be small of like just quick consulting or it could be somebody to help you with the bookkeeping for your small business. So it's like all these like different things, but they're a good like professional and reputable source. And they provide a lot of like free advice on their blog too, in case you're not ready or not in a place to hire somebody to help you. And so there would be a good place to start. So yeah, Countless IO and Freelancing Females are two resources I definitely do recommend. That's it for this episode. I hope you got some value out of it and we'll make sure to publish the resources and go-tos that we talked about here onto our show notes page. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for Tactile Office Hours. Want more info about what we talked about today or anything else career-related? Check out tactile.com. That's T-C-T-L-E dot for additional resources and to sign up for our newsletter. On Instagram, follow us at Tactile. And if you like what you heard today, make sure to subscribe to their show on Apple or wherever else you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Talk to you next month.